From ancient times, the Liturgy of the Hours has served as the public and communal prayer of God's people. It has been called the Vox Sponsae, the voice of a bride, addressed to her bridegroom. It is the very prayer which Christ himself, together with his church, offers to the Father for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. Alright, so here we are after a couple weeks off. We are diving back into... Hey, Gabriel. What's up? Not much. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we're giving uh, we're giving this a shot. We're going for an afternoon time, and uh, so uh, we figured we'd give Gabriel a little bit of a break from waking up at <laughs> five in the morning. I know. I feel great. I feel great. I've been to the gym. You know, I lifted nice. a bunch of heavy stuff. I'm sitting out in the sun. I'm I'm packing my pipe. So I'm going to smoke my pipe to the glory of God. All right. Okay, so Very good. So we have been talking over the last couple of weeks of where to go with this, with this episode. We have, for those of you who have been listening, uh, or even if you're just joining us for the first time, we have been slowly walking through the general instructions on the Liturgy of the Hours, which is essentially the text that you go to that the church has given us uh, to understand more deeply, not only how to pray the liturgy of the hours, but also uh, how to understand uh, the what and the why of the liturgy of the hours. So we've been walking through that, but we both thought that this week would be, it would be great to do something a little bit different and to actually dive into the liturgy of the hours itself, given that Lent just started and uh, just begin to unpack uh, some of the things that we're discovering and uh, as we go through and we, as we pray uh, the various hours throughout the day. And uh, just as an intro, a quick uh, introduction to this, um, one of the inspirations, at least for me, in doing something like this is, uh, and I know I've mentioned him before, but Blessed Columba Marmion, he has a conference in the book called Christ, the Life of the Soul. In that conference, uh, he says this. He says that the praise of the church offered, the praise that the church offers to God in the holy sacrifice of the mass and in the canonical hours—that is, the liturgy of the hours or the divine office—possess not only power of inter- intercession, but has besides great value of sanctification. And then he asks the question, "Why is this?" And he says, "Because of the way in which the church has disposed the liturg- liturgical cycle." Public prayer becomes for our minds a a source of light, of union with the sentiments of the soul of Christ, and with the mysteries of his life. And lastly, he says, the church then not only gives us each year a living representation of the life of her bridegroom, but she makes us penetrate as far as the creature is able to penetrate into the soul of Christ, so that reading his inmost dispositions, we may share them and be more intimately united to our divine head. And so one of the things that, you know, I'm thinking in terms of this podcast is in this episode is to really dive into how is the liturgy, the hours helping us enter more deeply into the heart of Christ and the mind of the church, uh, at least as we begin to undertake this as the um, Ash Wednesday collect goes uh, this campaign of Christian service where by which we do battle with spiritual evils and uh, and really embark on this on the season of preparation for 
uh, for Easter. All right, so, so I'm gonna start us off and uh, basically just to give everybody an idea of what I've done, because you know, I really think this, for anybody who's out there praying the Liturgy of the Hours, this is very doable. It's, uh, I would highly recommend it. Even if you're just praying uh, one of the hours a day, you know, take some time, especially in the, in the season of Lent uh, like this, and go back through uh, some of the daily prayers that we're praying, some of the antiphons, the, the psalms, uh, the readings, the responsories, and uh, take a look at them and really, you know, almost treat them as devotional material. Uh, to help you enter more deeply into the season. So I'm going to do that for us uh, just uh, to kick us off here and say that as soon as I opened up the Liturgy of the Hours when we began praying Office of Readings, so here at the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, we pray Office of Readings at 5.30 in the morning. So on Ash Wednesday, you know, I my alarm goes off at 4.30, get a shower, come up here to the House of Prayer. We begin our prayer there at 5.30. And as soon as we open up the liturgy of the hours right before the first reading so after the psalms but before the first reading there's a verse that says turn back to the lord and do penance and be renewed in heart and spirit and that immediately caught me just caught my attention in terms of just even asking the question for myself what am I being invited? What is the church inviting me to do? What is our Lord inviting me to do this Lent? And that is to turn back to him, to turn back to him, to do penance. That is to reorient my life where is needed to, to be more deeply converted to Christ. And in so doing, be renewed in heart and spirit. So for me, uh, right out the gate, I was being invited and still uh, see how the church, how Christ is inviting me to experience this season as a time of renewal. Uh, but it's also a time that's going to take some work. You know, it's also going to take, uh, you know, doing an examination of of heart and looking at the ways that I have perhaps turned from the Lord and to correct those, to take measures to, uh, to correct those and to do penance, uh, to reorient my life to Christ uh, where it's needed. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, the morning prayer, and I really, I, I was kind of meditating on a similar, kind of a similar, similar thoughts. The reading says, uh, come now, let us set things right, says the Lord. Hmm. And, and I just sat with that, uh, that line for a little hmm. bit. And, and in my heart, it seemed like the Lord was saying that to me, like, he's just saying, he's like, Gabriel, come now, let us set things right, hmm. you know, directly to me. Like it was, it was an invitation, you know, and to, to begin to think more deeply, uh, to look at my life more deeply about what are ways in which I can set things into a proper order, mm -hmm. uh, especially with God. Like, is there anything that's maybe a little disordered? Um, or even if things aren't like radically disordered, is there anything that I can kind of just let go of for a little while uh, for these 40 days of Lent to place myself into a proper disposition that things would be made, would be made right. And, you know, that, 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 that invitation is into a place of healing, like a deeper healing. Right. Um, 
And what I find to be so beautiful is that, that at least in this passage, that, that God does not come across as a, as a hard judge, but rather as one who kindly invites me into, um, into a healing relationship because he wants uh, order, right? He wants wholeness and goodness uh, in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, there's a, the responsory I have down here. I don't, I don't know what the second reading was for Ash Wednesday. I can't remember, but um, actually, I think it was maybe St. Clement uh, on repentance. But uh, the responsory that I uh, wrote down here was um, said, let the evil man give up his way of life and the sinful man his thoughts. And then it says, let him turn back to the Lord and the Lord will have mercy on him. And then it said, and then the response was, our God is kind and compassionate, always ready to forgive. And so it's like already, you know, the church is calling us into this, maybe, a, you know, an intensified, an, an intense period of, prep, you know, turning back to the Lord, doing penance, you know, the, the collect uh, for, um, for Ash Wednesday, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, has this idea of we're undergoing this campaign of Christian service by which we're taking up battle against spiritual evils with armed with the weapons of self-restraint. And it sounds so intense and it is intense and it should, it should be intense. But at the same time, it's not like the Lord is like, call like you said, this kind of harsh judge or taskmaster, like calling us to do something that's somehow like, you know, masochistic, but rather he's calling us to turn back to him, to do whatever it takes to turn back to him because and and what in the God that we meet is the God who's kind and compassionate and he's always ready to forgive. He's God who desires our healing more than we do. Right. Right. And he's not a God that holds those things against us. Like it's not that we have to earn our salvation or that we have to earn the right relationship to be with God, but he wants to invite us more deeply into his love. Hmm. And there's, there is a, you know, there is a certain level of, as we let go of, I think of, of especially of material comforts, mm-hmm. you know, so we think of fasting, which is, which is letting go of comfort, things, things that uh, materially comfort our bodies. As we let that go, we're, we're a little bit lighter mm-hmm. to be attentive to the spiritual realities. And so it's not, like you said, it's not a masochistic thing, masochistic thing. It's not a Manichaean thing where we like hate the body, mm-hmm, the spiritual right. is good and the material is evil. But we recognize that the body, you know, it's like if this morning when I went to the gym, like if I would have eaten, if I would have stopped at McDonald's and eaten a quarter pounder with cheese and a bunch of fries and Coke, uh-huh. you know, I'd be lethargic going to the gym. I'd be like, oh, I do not want right. to like, I do not want to bench this weight that I'm about to bench. Um, I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to like feel the acid in my gut and in my throat. And, and so like my body can limit my body in its physical exercise. And if my body can limit my body, is it possible that my body can limit my soul hmm. in so far as the two are um, united together, that the soul is the form of the body, hmm. that the two uh, interact with one another. You know, so yeah. we kind of let go of some things uh, so that the spirit is um, more light. 
yeah and i think in a poetic sense yeah right and it's it's like um you know one of the things that you know i'm just even thinking as you're talking there's uh in the thursday after ash wednesday the second reading uh came from uh who did who who is it um oh saint leo saint leo the great and you know he says he has this line where he says dear friends what the Christian should be doing at all times should be done now with greater care and devotion so that the Lenten fast enjoined by the apostles may be fulfilled, not simply by abstinence from food, but above all by renunciation of sin. And I was just thinking about, you know, that's really clarifying just in terms of, you know, this is almost, you know, Lent's almost like this intense period, but it's not just, it's not to be like a one and done. You know, it's like, you know, like what you're saying is that, you know, Lent, uh, get, when you give yourself over to a Lenten fast, let's say, when you give certain things up, when you take on extra penances, etc., when you do this, you get the experience of kind of being a little bit lighter, you, you know, perhaps a little bit more watchful in prayer, uh, you are a little bit more perceptive in terms of, you know, discerning God's will, etc. You, you have this experience, and then, you know, it comes to the end of Lent, and you're like, and I kind of want to go back to, you know, burgers and a shake, but at the same time, I don't want to give up this, uh, this closeness, you know, this kind of relationship right. with Christ that I've cultivated over this period. And, you know, St. Leo the Great, you know, saying, well, yeah, duh, like this is supposed to be, you know, Lent is a teacher for how, you know, in some measure, how the Christian life is to be lived all year round. Right. For the, maybe for the sake of concrete examples um, and for teaching, like, have you experienced that so far since Ash Wednesday? You know, like, is there, are there particular things in which you are physically fasting from? And are you experiencing um, a certain spiritual benefit from that? Yeah. So I've decided to do like, uh, you know, the more traditional fast of just, you know, bringing it into every day of like the two small meals, not equally, not equally in the size of like a main meal and uh, sticking to mm-hmm. meat, meat only on, only on the main meal, of course, you know, abstaining on Fridays. But um, yeah. yeah, one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, I, I think it was last year that I did this, uh, this same fast, but I've noticed that there's a greater uh, alertness, there's a greater attention. There's a, even just physically, you know, I feel, uh, you know, a lot lighter and, um, but when it comes, uh, to prayer, I have made it an intention of mine to every time we gather for prayer in the chapel to make a specific, to, uh, to make an offering of that particular hour for, you know, my wife and my kids for, uh, yeah. um, uh, for some friends of mine who are going through a difficult time and, and a couple others. And so I'm making, I'm making these offerings. And I just, I just noticed that, you know, I'm more dialed in, in those times. Mm -hmm. And I'm even like finding that, you know, leaving the chapel and going on, you know, allow, gives me the chance to even reflect a little bit more and dive a little bit deeper into the prayer that we just prayed. And so, you know, just in little ways, little chunks. Um, right. You know, I've, I've seen this uh, be really helpful. Whereas, you know, for me, <laughs> you know, uh, I have after office of readings, uh, I go back home and, 
my wife and I have some time that we we have where we can just uh, do our devotional uh, prayers and uh, just have some quiet time before the kids get up. But when the kids get up, I've been in get, gotten in the habit because I have the time to do it. You know, we t- we like to make a hobbit's breakfast. So it would br- okay. really yeah. be like second breakfast, you know, like eggs, toast, and bacon. <laughs> and, uh-huh. you know, I always, you know, I always get to cracking like the sixth or seventh egg. And I'm like, you know what? We need like two more. We, uh, I'm going to eat. I'm going <laughs> to eat a good portion of eggs this morning. You know? And then we got the bacon going and everything. And, you know, I, I leave the house, you know, and I go straight up to the chapel for morning prayer. And that's when my work day begins. And, you know, every morning that happens, you know, I just, I'm sluggish, you know, to be honest. Like, yeah, do you feel more lethargic going into that morning prayer? For sure. I mean, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. if you were to compare, you use your example of going into the weight room, I'm like maybe lift, getting the bar, you know, like I'm maybe getting 45 pounds off the bench press. <laughs> right. Well, that's because you don't, you don't go to the gym. Maybe you should start. Well, that's And true. then you could do 55 pounds. <laughs> You could start with a stick. <laughs> no, that's you true. know, I, um, you know, I'm trying. So I mentioned before we started recording of like uh, my parish. And I think I might've mentioned this in past podcast is a group of men from, from the parish are doing Exodus 90. And, you know, it's kind of cool because we started it like 40 days ago. And um, and within the Exodus 90 practice, you know, there's, for instance, it's like no sweets. And man, let me tell you, I have a, I have a sweet tooth. <laughs> I love ice cream. I could eat a bowl of ice cream every single night. And I probably did before I started Exodus 90, you know, <laughs> which is the real reason why I go to the gym and work out is so I can eat a bowl of ice cream. Right. But anyway, and um, like, as I've had these kind of um, there's these four weeks or so of five, six weeks of like not eating sweets, uh, taking cold, cold showers. And, and I should say like cool showers. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't go too radical. I don't do cold because you know, it's just the absence of heat and that's kind of like on a spectrum there. So, um, and so it's a cool shower and, and just these practices. And I feel like more, you know, prior to the Second Vatican Council and the reform of the liturgy, right? We had um, we had Septuagesima and Sexagesima, mm-hmm. and these these series of like pre-penitential seasons right. that led up to Lent, and it got the mind and body ready hmm. for the Lenten practice. And I feel like this has kind of been within the wisdom of that practice because mm-hmm. it's like okay gearing up to lent i've been able to to make the slow transition um where my body is more ready um so this lent i'm trying to um basically do intermittent fasting fasting mm-hmm. and so i'll each day eat within a eight hour period mm-hmm. and so like between eight and four is when i'll eat um and then after 4 p.m i won't eat Mm-hmm. and I do find, or maybe like, let's say nine and five or however I'm trying to eat with the family if I can. And, um, but I do find that similar experience of the mornings as I'm regularly having an empty belly, which is, which I guess is just also usually how it is for me. Cause I don't usually eat till a bit later. Um, is I, is my, pr- I'm able to enter into prayer 
more, yeah, I guess I just feel lighter. You know, I mm-hmm. am, you know, my belly isn't full of food and um, I'm able to to enter into a kind of more of a quiet, still place within my own mind mm-hmm. and within my own heart to do my morning prayers. Mm-hmm. You know? I, find that, then, I find there's more yeah. focus. Mm-hmm. I'm able to focus more. I don't, yeah. I, I don't seem to be battling as many distractions. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to what extent is that maybe natural? Like as, as the day progresses, I've like done more. You know, my mind has engaged more things throughout the day. But as I've slept, my brain has kind of been de, uh, like detox, like detoxed through the mm-hmm. night and through my mm-hmm. sleep. And so when I wake up in the morning, there's, unless there's some sort of crisis situation going on, I really should have less things on my mind. I've engaged less things with my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that this relationship between like prayer, you know, food and, you know, specifically just kind of like filling, filling our stomachs and, or overfilling our stomachs and the, which really incapacitates us for prayer. There's, there's a reason for that. You know, the, like you pointed out earlier, you know, the body and the soul are integrated, you know, we're not just uh, kind of walking around free floating, you know, we just don't happen to have bodies like God's given us bodies in order to glorify him, to worship him. But the way that we ultimately do that is through contact with and union with our souls. And so as, you know, as we give ourselves more fully to, to God, it's like, you know, food is relativized, you know, it's relativized. Yes, it is enjoyment for us. Like, you know, nothing wrong with enjoying, you know, a a bowl of ice cream at night or whatever, but food becomes, we begin to see food for what it can do to sustain us for communion with God and love and love for our neighbor. Um, and that's one of the things that I learned is that, you know, if I look at times in, in the day when I am a little bit more sluggish, I'm a little bit more prone to irritability. I am, uh, just, kind of not on guard. It's usually, you know, after mealtime. And it's not because food is bad, but it's because of my disordered kind of appetite and relationship to food. And so, like, yeah. I, you know, I, be, you know, I go back for a second helping without even thinking about it. And then, you know, afterwards, I'm just kind of like, I just want to veg out, you know, it's, uh, and then I ended up being irritable with, you know, my kids or my wife or whatever. And it's like, well, if I just trace that back, okay, if I would just be more disciplined in terms of my relationship with food, this would be good, not only for my relationship with God and my ability to pray, but it would also be good for my relationship with my family and those who are close to me. You know, I do think about the days, um, let's say, uh, Ash, um, Ash Wednesday, right. Of like, I didn't eat anything throughout the whole day. And I do, I have found on days that I fast of the whole day, I experience a certain level of increased attentiveness mm. in my thinking, right? In my neo, in my um, neofrontal cortex, right? The, mm. the 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 movement from my thalamus to my neofrontal cortex is just swift, um, <laughs> and I'm just right. I'm not bypassing into my amygdala and like going into fight or flight mode, but I'm like bam. I'm like operating in my neofrontal cortex, and I'm just thinking. And but like, if I fast for the whole day. I, 
I do feel a l- less sluggish, mm-hmm. even though I'm engaging the world to the same extent as when I'm eating, right? And so I do find I do find that like um, it, maybe it is not simply a matter of the prayer in the morning is more clear because I have less things on my mind than later in the day. Mm-hmm. Because I do find when I'm fasting throughout the whole day, I still have a certain level of clarity um, mm-hmm. in my, in my mind and spirit. Yeah. But I think, you know, this get, kind of gets back to this kind of idea, like yeah. what, you know, what are we even, you know, what are we even doing, you know, as we engage this and the reality is, is like, we are contending for something, you know, we're, we're really during Lent, we're contending for uh, a deeper relationship with God. We're contending for uh, to be more deeply united to him in all things, to give ourselves more entirely to him. And I think that that's one of the things that's revealed as we continue to kind of pray with the church through Lent is that the Lord is just wants to draw me into deeper and deeper places. And I just realized even through taking on like a light fast like this is like, you know, I realized like, man, I am so often you know, so beholden to things that are just so trivial, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that line of, you know, that I commented on, like, come now, let us set things right. Mm -hmm. It's not that things are wrong. Like eating is not wrong. Mm -hmm. Nate, if you eat food today, you are not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) If you do not eat, you will die. But we recognize that material things are less essential than God in our life. Mm-hmm. And when we can kind of, when we can intentionally start to like set some of those material things to the side, we can be a little less attached to them. And I think that's part of, mm-hmm. of the wisdom of the church there is saying like, Hey, let's get things in right order realizing like you don't need to be so attached to X, Y, and Z. The one thing you need to be attached to is my love and mercy Mm -hmm. is God's love and mercy. And it lets us reorder ourselves, um, loosening up. Maybe there are areas in our life that like, you know, we need to focus on and Mm -hmm. and let go of and set things right. Right. And so Mm -hmm. there's that, I think that wisdom there of, of, putting things into the proper order. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, there's this, uh, concluding prayer, uh, from the Thursday after Ash Wednesday that I wrote down, Lord, may everything we do begin with your inspiration, continue with your help and reach perfection under your guidance. And I think that, you know, the church almost allows this to, uh, to happen in a proper relationship to the church and, and to our Lord. You know, when we have a prayer like this, it's almost like, wow, like, you know, the church is extending to us the freedom to really begin this Lenten fast uh, through the inspiration of Christ to really take our fasting disciplines, our penances to prayer. Um, And then, you know, as we undertake them to be able to draw upon the grace of Christ, the grace of God to continue those disciplines with his help. And then ultimately, you know, to strive for that perfection that can only happen under his guidance. Um, And so I think that's just, just like, you know, this particular prayer kind of draws me into that of like, you know, is the, is fasting about 
me doing something that I think is a good idea for me? Or is it about me kind of trying to tap into what our Lord desires of me and entering more deeply into that and really seeing, you know, my disciplines, the penances, the, the, the fasting that I undertake as really something that finds its source in him, that something that I'm able to only persevere at through, uh, through him. And that will only arrive at the end, having done what he's called me to with his help. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any other, um, passages that have kind of been particularly impactful to you? So yeah, there are, this, yeah this there are a few, you know, the, the, the one, the one that's just, oh man, it's, um, it's one that has, as soon as I read it, I was reminded of it from, from last year. And it was from Friday Ash, after Ash Wednesday. And it was the second reading and it was from St. John Chrysostom on prayer. And, you know, really kind of to do it justice, I, I, you know, should just read the whole thing, but I can't, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But uh, just a couple. Yeah, please don't. I had lunch recently, so I'm getting sleepy. All right, all right. <laughs> so, so uh, but some of the things that he says in, in there is, you know, he starts out, he says, prayer and converse with God is a supreme good. It is a mm. partnership and union with God. And, um, and, you know, and he goes on and says, you know, that this prayer brings joy to the spirit, peace to the heart. And he's, but he says he's speaking of prayer, not words. He mm -hmm. says, it is the longing. What does that for mean? God. Well, let's see. He said, it is the longing for God, love too deep for words, a gift not given by man, but by God's grace. And then he quotes Paul who says, we do not know how we are to pray, but the spirit himself pleads for us with inexpressible longings. And he says that essentially that, when the Lord gives this kind of prayer to us, uh, he says he gives him riches that cannot be taken away. Heavenly food that fat satisfies the spirit. And he says, one who tastes this food is set on fire with an eternal longing for the Lord. And his spirit mm -hmm. burns as in a fire of the utmost intensity. And so what I take that to mean is essentially is that, you know, what God is wanting to do, what God is wanting to do with me this, this Lent and throughout my entire life is He's wanting to draw me into a relationship with him by which I can experience the joy and the peace that comes from desiring him, from longing mm. for him. And that really Lent, a Lenten fast and penance and this campaign of Christian service whereby we, you know, take up weapons uh, of self-restraint and we do battle against spiritual evils is really about clearing away those things that keep us from longing and desiring God more. You know, this is a little bit of a thought experiment, but I've been studying the brain recently. And if, if you think of um, the way socio social media works is there's an aspect of the brain that um, when it begins to long something, when you begin to long some for something, your brain is kicking out uh, dopamine. Mm -hmm. And when you when you choose that thing that you want, your brain then um, puts out certain protein um, that rewires the brain. Hmm. Um, you physically begin to long for something. When you choose it, the brain reinforces itself to choose that thing again. Hmm. And, and I wonder, you know, I wonder to what extent does that work? 
in prayer. Hmm. Like if I begin, I, I mean, I definitely, there are times in my day when I begin to long for God and it's a, and it's definitely like, I think it's definitely a longing of my spirit, but my spirit is united to my body. And so in, to what degree is my body longing hmm. for God? And so when I choose here's, and here's where the thought experiment is going is when I choose to enter into prayer is my brain rewiring itself to choose that again. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that we, I wonder to what extent are we biologically changed uh, to choose God as hmm. well? Yeah, the more that we give ourselves, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but, you know, I think even just the experience of, you know, giving ourselves more and more over to the Lord, um, you know, tends to, at least in my experience, has tended to leave me want, always wanting more not in a sense of I'm unsatisfied or in a sense of like, well, that just wasn't good enough. I need to get to the next experience. Mm -hmm. But in a sense of like in that communion, it, get, it almost gives me this taste of something that like I long for more of. And, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's very different from, you know, the experience of, you know, you take that and then you turn to like, you know, let's say uh, food or you turn to like material possessions, or uh, you turn to even like the approval of other people. Um, you turn to these other things that you, that we tend to give ourselves to, um, that we, you know, look to satisfy that longing of our, of our bodies and our souls. And right. they always over promise and under deliver. Like they, yeah, always it's like when I have a bowl of ice cream, usually at the end of that bowl of ice cream i'm like man i want more right and but when i like go get more the second bowl is less satisfying than the first bowl but in prayer like i leave longing for more but when i come back to prayer you know, you continue to be satisfied but then you continue yeah. to long yeah and i think that i just i think that's one of the greatest gifts that the church offers us during this time is to be more deeply united to our, our Lord. And, and through that, you know, kind of clearing away of even good things for a time, you know, to, to think of, you know, taking up a fast or giving, you know, uh, making a sacrifice uh, of some, of some sort um, to, to clear away space in the heart, to enter more deeply into relationship with God and to receive that taste of like what it's like to, to fix our eyes more on, on him you know, to fill our, to fill our lives more with the main thing. And I think, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of, you know, that you were talking about earlier was, you know, you were saying like, you know, food is not a bad thing. Um, you know, of course it's not a bad thing. You know, I think one of the gifts of, of Lent is to take, is to be able to put good things in their proper place is yeah. to recognize that, uh, just because they're secondary things doesn't mean they're not good. And so to right. say that food is a secondary thing that helps my primary purpose, you know, and so to reorder, to reorder those, my relationship to food, to say, I'm going to put you in its place. I'm going to put food in its place so that it supports my primary purpose, which is to, to love God, to live out a life of holiness and to, and to love and serve my family. And virtue is in the mean. So 
if I have too much food, that's called obesity and gluttony. But mm-hmm. if I have too little food, that's anorexia. Mm-hmm. You know, and so how does the virtuous man eat, but with temperance? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. but then you can totally fast, and that's temperate. So, but it's it definitely it's putting that putting the good things in right order because we should already be abstaining from the things that are not good. Right. right. If it, if it's morally evil. Where that it goes without saying, but it but the good things. How do we put the good things into the proper orders? Yeah. One prayer, you know, I think as we're kind of nearing the end here, it's um midday midday prayer on mm-hmm. the first Sunday of Lent. By waiting and by calm, you mm-hmm. shall be saved. And I I love that the liturgy here uses the word calm, and but by waiting and by calm you shall be saved and quiet and in trust your strength lies yet the lord is waiting to show you favor and he rises to pity you blessed are all who wait for him and i think one of the great blessings of lent and that the liturgy is is pointing us to is there's a certain level of waiting you know we're waiting for easter mm-hmm. or um I'll often have like a little bowl of ice cream on Sundays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like waiting, I'm waiting all week uh, for that little bowl, for that little bowl of ice cream. But it gives, but it's a little bit of like a reminder of what it means to wait for something, to wait mm-hmm. for something good. And it, it becomes a symbol of how my, I'm waiting for goodness itself ultimately like Hmm. this pilgrimage in this life is a time of waiting you know Mm -hmm. waiting until coming to be with the lord and but when we're when we never have to wait for something when we're always like spoiled little toddlers right you know we we don't have that opportunity to to experience the lord who is waiting to show favor to us and he rises up to come and bless us Hmm. When you say spoiled little talk, man, this just gives me, you know, perhaps this would be for next Lent, but, you know, I think one of the things that subconsciously kind of, you know, kind of creeps in and, and forms uh, the disposition of my heart and my relationship. Fasting with- from children? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like ready to do that right now. Toddlers, <laughs> I am fasting from you the rest of Lent. Go be with your mother. <laughs> no, that would not go over well. Um, <laughs> But I was actually, I was thinking of, you know, kind of fasting from or just kind of giving up and, and not, uh, you know, exercising the, um, the Amazon Prime button. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I am so used to, and the reason why I thought of this when you said, you know, spoiled little uh, toddlers is because, you know, I'm just so used to getting what I want when I want it, you know, and so used to like just yeah, this kind yeah. of instant uh, satisfaction um, this instant kind of gratification, um, you know, and I get frustrated, you know, I get frustrated if it takes any longer, you know, I get frustrated if, uh, you know, if Netflix isn't working, um, and you know, it's, it's taken a long time to load and, you know, it's just like, I'm just so schooled in this and it's, it's happening in ways that I don't even know, but by the grace of God, even now, just kind of coming to an awareness of it, but just to, I love that kind of idea of just, you know, limiting, putting limitations on 
uh, how often, even when it is available, to you know, kind of get things at a, at the click of a button. Yeah, and and there's a certain level of like when I when I hear the word calm, I think of an absence of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm anxious for an ask something in my life to be alleviated and to go away, I find there to be like a lack of calm. Mm. But like if I can patiently wait and be calm. I just find engaging the world is a lot easier. Like if, you know, like if I can be calm with my children mm-hmm. when they're mm-hmm. losing their minds and they're screaming and I'm cringing inside and I could just like take a deep breath and calm. Um, I think there's, when, when we begin to cultivate that calm posture, I think we begin to practice the presence of God mm-hmm. right? because we can be attentive. But if we're like, all over the place internally if we're like if our affect is dysregulated and we're hyper aroused then we're not really in a place where we can be attentive to the presence of the holy spirit right because we're dysregulated and and a dysregulated adult cannot regulate a dysregulated child Um, a dysregulated spirit cannot be attentive to the god who is you know perfect and calm Mm -hmm. and regulated yeah, I think it also comes down to just this uh, placing absolute trust, you know, in the in the Lord for uh, what he promises to give us uh, during, you know, in this season and in every season. And that is to give us his unfailing help, you know, to give us to come, you know, we, we pray, you know, almost kind of rotely or or just routinely, you know, at the beginning of um, at the beginning of our prayer, you know, at the beginning of the hours. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. You know, if I'm praying to, you know, in patience and in calm, you know, to be at rest in God, to to do that in the face of, you know, the very varying circumstances that we that we find ourselves in in life that tend to bring about this kind of turbulence uh, in the soul. You know, to wait and to have calm and to be patient, you know, within those times takes a radical trust a trust that the Lord is going to give us what we need in order to persevere either through those to, uh, to be victorious uh, through times of temptation um, to, to really kind of undergo a, a period of, of trial of testing of purification uh, in the calm of knowing that the Lord has us in his hands, that he, that we can trust him, that he's worthy of our trust. Um, yeah. So just like, you know, this, yeah, Lent just seems to be a time of, you know, entering more deeply into that, into that relationship of trust with the Lord that at the end of the day, you know, my, my hope is going to be found in him and in him alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that's one of the great benefits um, and purposes of Lent is to help us rec- recognize the ways in which our soul is dysregulated and turbulent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be able to like find that equilibrium again, you know, that mm-hmm. place of like purity of heart and balance where you can be attentive, like maybe use an Ignatian language of if my, if my soul is turbulent and dysregulated, I, I can't be attentive to like, to notice the consolation of the Holy spirit in my life. I have to be at a place of equilibrium. Mm. Um, and to notice the same with to notice the desolations, the movements like you have to be 
there's a certain attentiveness that one has to have cultivated mm-hmm. um, to be aware of the movements of the spirit in that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or even to be attentive to the movements of our own emotions, right? We have to be attentive to those and then be able to respond to them. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, is it, in all of this, you know, one of the things that just overall that these first, this first week has really taught me uh, through just kind of entering more deeply into the liturgy is that for all of these things that we're talking about, we need to fight for them. If the, if what God promises us is really worth it, if we really believe it's worth it, if, if the peace and the calm, the, um, the rest, uh, if the communion with him in the, um, enjoyment of his love, if all of that is, if it's really worth it, then we need to fight. We need to fight. We need to do battle for these things. We need to contend for these things in our lives. And I think that's, you know, Lent gives us this period where, you know, if we're just to think about every single day as this constant battle, for most of us, it's overwhelming to even think about. But when the church gives us a season to say, we're going to just ramp it up a notch, we're going to ramp it up a notch. We're going to contend for our salvation. You know, you think of like the readings. like, uh, I think it was on Sunday, yeah, Sunday night for evening prayer. You know, Paul says, while all the runners in the stadium take part in the race, yep. the award goes to one man. In that case, run so as to win. Athletes deny themselves all sorts of things. They do this to win a crown of leaves that withers, but we a crown that is imperishable. And so, you know, we set out to, you know, we in this, in this battle uh, in order to win. To, and what are we trying to win? We're really contending for our souls to be able to enjoy untold of communion with God in all things. And, um, and so, you know, and I think the other thing too, is that Lent is, you know, there, uh, there was a responsory after in uh, Thursday in the office of readings that says the time of fasting opens the gates of heaven to us. Mm. And I thought, is that, you know, I thought to myself, that's either true or it's not true. You know, is it true that Lent actually in a particular way at this at this time of year in the in the church's calendar? Is it true that the gates of heaven are open to us in a particular way so that we might contend in such a way as to gain as to win our salvation? Um, And I think I think it is, you know, the church gives us this season and so that we can really receive it's it's like the graces are coming full uh full on uh during the season and right. and the more we are you know kind of tapped into that the more we are ready to kind of undergo what Christ is calling us to undergo during this time the more we're going to be able to cooperate with those graces and enjoy the victory that comes on the other end when we get to Easter Sunday yeah yeah absolutely and I think a big takeaway for me in our conversation so far and something I haven't thought as much about is like, I think the church reminds us of what it means to be embodied Mm -hmm. where it uses reverse psychology in a way of it's like, it's saying, okay, by, by setting aside material things through fasting for a little while, it helps us rightly order things, but then at the same time, it helps us 
recognize that like we need we need to live in these bodies that our bodies our bodies can weigh down our soul um in our prayer Mm -hmm. but our bodies we need to put them rightly ordered so that they would hind they do not hinder our souls right that Mm -hmm. they do not hinder our communion with god um that we can that our body is a is a tool you know our body is the place in which we encounter god concretely yes um as god you know enters into our body corporally through receiving holy communion mm-hmm. um and and i so i guess it just it kind of kind of i think leaving this conversation a bit more of like a bit more grateful for my body mm. you know um i'm just as we've been talking about calm and prayer and kind of the turbulence of the soul, it just makes me think of how breathing works. You know, mm-hmm. it's my brain stem that is responsible for a lot of like my unconscious breathing. But when I, when I, when we breathe in, our heart rate goes up and our blood pressure goes up and we get a little more aroused um, and by rouse like attentive and but then when we exhale um, our autonomic system calms us like it calms our body and I, and I just it, it takes me right to the prayer the Jesus prayer yeah right of yeah. praying the Jesus prayer with your breath um, and and how like by fasting by by recognizing that um, the Lord meets us in kind of this place of waiting and by mm-hmm. calm, I'm um, mm-hmm. in quiet and trust, right? It's like, you know, he meets us, meets us in that way that we're integrated with our bodies. And so, and so kind of like a place of, of gratitude as well. Hmm. I am grateful as well for this conversation. And I think my, uh, my big takeaway is as well in relationship to the body to say that um, the body is a gift. The body is a gift and we have been given this, uh, this great gift in order to, as a, as a tool, in order to come closer to our Lord who assumed a body, who assumed our mm, body yep. in order to, to be united with us. You know, and, you know it, on Sunday, of course, our gospel text and then also, you know, the antiphon for um, the, uh, I think it was, uh, was it the Magnificat? No, is the Canticle of Zechariah in morning prayer was, you know, the very last line, you know, Jesus went into the wilderness, you know, he was, he was tempted. And then it says, and he was hungry. You know, and I just thought, man, like, you know, God wanted to be so close to us. He wanted to be so united to us that he wanted to experience even our lack. He wanted to experience our, our desire, our longing, our, those times when we are uh, not satisfied you know, in our, in our bodies. And, and so when we undergo this fast, we're not just doing it as a, you know, kind of a moral exercise or kind of like even trying to imitate Christ and what he did. Although, you know, we are doing that, but we're actually doing something so that we can be sharers in his fast, you know, that we can be united to him in his fast. Uh, Because ultimately, you know, our, our attempts at fasting and I mean, they are so meager and, I am so weak. And, you know, I know there are going to be times during Lent that, you know, if it's not by the grace of God, like I will fail. I will fail in my fast that I've undertaken. 
Uh, but yeah. you know, yes. I I know that ultimately it's not it's not my fast. It's not my fast. It's me seeking to participate in the one whose fast truly does conquer sin. One whose fast really does, um, you know, strip away the dross or kind of, you know, uh, purifies me from, from what I need to be purified from in order that I be more deeply united to him. So, um, yeah, to be thankful for my body, you know, and to think, you know, St. Paul himself, you know, in, in Romans, you know, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, what is a sacrifice? It's an offering to God, you know, and I think uh, during this Lenten season, um, you and I and everybody else, we're being invited to offer our bodies more entirely and completely to God for him to use them as he desires. Without a doubt. And, um, you know, just one last thought is, you know, the the Lenten practice is threefold. It's prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And we, we focused really just on the fasting part. But, mm-hmm. like, even to give alms requires requires a body yeah you know so all all parts of it and like we can we can spiritually give alms through prayer but you know how integrated even that aspect is Mm. as well amen all right well this is good uh we will be uh picking up i think you know we've we've discussed uh kind of going to a schedule of coming out with new episodes uh every other week and uh, so we'll be back in a couple weeks and uh, I'll certainly be looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, this has been great. Thanks, Gabriel. Do you have anything else? Nope. All right. Well, let's I'm going to take a nap. All right. Let's conclude. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to break the fast soon. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, all, right. all right. Let's conclude with our prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless us, protect us from all evil and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, right. Gabriel. Toodles. All right, God bless. Bye. Thank you for listening to Vox Sponse, a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours brought to you by the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours the public and communal prayer of the Catholic Church. For more information, visit us online at liturgyofthehours.org.